Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode where Tara and I will be talking about ways of using art to convey a message or a story. And this is a special episode because we're starting a podcast relay where we'll tag two of our personal favourite creative podcasts and ask them to share their own views on using art to convey a message. So we are tagging the Your Creative Push podcast hosted by Youngman Brown. And we're also tagging the Three Point Perspective podcast hosted by Jake Parker, Will Terry and Lee White. So we highly suggest that you check out both of those inspiring podcasts where they will soon be sharing their own views on the subject in one of their own upcoming episodes. Meanwhile, before we get on to today's topic, thanks to everyone who's been sharing their work with us on social media. Once again, I think the uh, five-minute March challenge proved to be really popular. I really um, enjoyed Mumsy Sabo sketches, Tara. Did you see the ones that she did of her husband? I say that in quotes. No, <laughs> I missed that. That, was, oh, that wasn't the really hunky bloke, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, did, she did say they weren't her husband. Yeah. But they were really entertaining to look at. And um, also, Rusila Moodley, she did some gorgeous pieces for the March Mixed Media. And um, Julie Turner, she dipped into a few of the challenges and she took some gorgeous nature photos for the Quick Kicks Challenge. Um, she did, did you see that one she did of the black and white shot that with the birds all taking off into the sky? And it was a really stormy sky, so these birds looked really white. And it was just, they just caught the light. It was absolutely gorgeous. What about oh, you? Know. I don't know, but I liked her five-minute ones. She did some really nice um, five-minute sketches as well, didn't she? I, do you know, I don't know if I saw them. Well, I probably did see them, but I can't yeah. remember those. It's just, but, yeah, she takes a really good photo. So, yeah. What about you? What caught your eye in um, March? I, I really like Eclectic Sketch on Instagram, who's been creating some really beautiful nature photos, all based on the subject of tree bark. That was her whole theme, but she did so many different lovely variations on those. And then Dawn Langley. Have you seen Dawn Langley's pictures in our group? Which ones were they? She does these, I think she calls them scanography. Um, they're actually sort of not really photos, but she takes, say, a flower, places it on a scanner, places a piece of black card or something over the top, and then just scans it. But they look absolutely beautiful. She oh, a... that's how she does that. Yeah, I've seen yeah. loads of those. And I, I was wondering how she did it. They look amazing. Yeah, I thought she just—I don't know what what I thought she'd done or how she. But that's yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, and then also uh, Leanne Bullard Art on Instagram. She created some really beautiful floral floral mixed media pieces for March Mixed Media. They were really really nice. Uh, I also just want to remind everyone that the prompts we provide in the group to go with the challenges, they're completely optional. We keep getting people saying, oh, I'm afraid I haven't stuck to the prompt today. But I say they're only there if you're stuck or, or you like having a prompt to give you inspiration. So what's new with you anyway, Sandra? Well, I finished my latest painting, um, the cigar and rum painting, and I put it on my website yesterday. <laughs> this is a real first. I put it on the internet yesterday and less than two minutes later, and I'm honestly not joking, um, this sound came up on my phone. It's like um, on my website. Ka yeah, ka-ching. Yeah. And I was like, what, what was that? <laughs> I was so shocked because it, it literally sold in less than two minutes. I was gobsmacked. So It's amazing. Yeah, so that's a, a record for me. And I'm now I need to start a new painting, but I haven't decided quite what it's going to be yet. Um, aside from that, I went really, really wild recently. Tara, you'd be so proud. Guess what I did? Um, you got a chunky marker and you drew with it? I didn't go that wild. Oh. <laughs> I scribbled a phone number in my sketchbook. <gasps> honestly it was liberating i really think i finally turned a corner in my sketchbook you know well, is this because you're on the phone or is this was, it, i just was know, it part you, of a picture no 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 you know you have nothing to hand and you really yeah. need to write something down i just yeah. grabbed it and then normally i'd rather write it on my own hand 
Yeah. I didn't. And I was like, <gasps> and I thought, actually, that looks quite good. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Knowing me, I'll go back to that number and turn it into like calligraphy or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. But yeah. So, um, yeah, I was quite proud of Breakthrough. Yeah, it was. You'd right, hate yeah. mine because I turned my. I was. Um, I went back to an old sketchbook. I don't like a lot of stuff in it. It's quite an old one, and you know how I didn't used to like drawing on the other sides of the pages. Oh yeah. So I, I think I said last week I was drawing on the other side of the pages, but also I've actually been turning it upside down because then it's much easier to lean on your knee. You know, if you turn. Oh, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, so you God. would hate it because I've got <laughs> pictures upside down, the right way up, all over the place. <laughs> oh that's so cool yeah I need to I need to do that I need what I need is a sketchbook that nobody can see with a padlock on it nobody and then I can, can see it anyway yeah Paul's yeah. ever so nosy <laughs> oh. what about you what's new with you well we've been continuing to make and upload our art kick Sundays on YouTube so if you want to check them out we've got a short link which is bit.ly that's bit.ly uh, forward slash art kick sunday you can subscribe over there too um and obviously if you want to check those out they're not the most sensible of videos as you might expect they all teach something or have a fun art idea but we also do our usual sort of slightly unusual sense of humor in there so slightly yes <laughs> so you'll find sandra. I, i'd say warped maybe yeah. you'll find sandra with sellotape on her face and me in my underwear which is not half as bad as it sounds, but go and, go and check those out. Um, I've also been taking part in, part in Abstract Art April, uh, and I've set myself the theme of abstract faces. So I'm not used to doing those, so I'm having a bit of an experiment with those, really. Yeah, so I, I'll see I've how that looking, goes. Yeah, I've been watching those that you've been doing so far, and I love them. I absolutely love them. They're oh, brilliant. thank you. But yeah. yeah, I have this problem that I seem to be able to do something once if this makes sense but then I can't repeat it do you think what are you saying you get bored no it's not actually boredom what it is is if I do something and I like it Mm. and I've had this happen multiple times so I do something I like it but then it's almost like I've then put pressure on myself so the next time I come to do it instead of being the loose no loose experimental thing it was originally it then becomes I want to try and make it look like that, as in the same feel. Yeah. And then I just overwork things and it's stilted and stinted. So I only seem to be able to do one of something sometimes. <laughs> it's very frustrating. And also I have this aversion to paint. I think I've told you before. Yeah, yeah. So, but I like I like the look of it, but I really don't like doing it. So, I wonder uh, why that is then. I don't, it's, I don't like the mess. I don't even like, <laughs> literally, I'll have the palette out. And I'll be squirting out the paint. I think, oh, that is so messy. Even <laughs> just looking at it on the palette. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I love it. I love squeezing paint. Oh. And, I, and I'm really tidy in general. Well, but... I'm the opposite, you see. Yeah. Which is odd. But yeah, so who knows? I suppose we should get on today's episode. Yeah, we should. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about ways to convey a message or a story through your art. And uh, this can be anything from saying something you feel the need to say without having to actually say it. In other words, a way of expressing a message or your feelings to creating a piece that tells its own story and everything in between. I mean, we see it all the time, don't we? A painting of, of say, an object, maybe a, a bowl of fruit or something. And there's nothing more to it than that. It's just simply art that matches the sofa. And, and that's perfectly okay. Um, but art can be so much more multi-layered than that. And a piece of art, no matter what genre it is, can have a much deeper meaning behind it. Often something only the artist knows. Or sometimes there's a more obvious story, something that's shown quite literally. And sometimes you're just not sure and it leaves you asking questions. And I really like those ones in particular, you know, the ones where you can almost create your own story. And I remember seeing once um, a painting of a woman who was hugging someone. And at first glance, it's just a woman embracing a man. But then I, I noticed that her eyes were looking across the room somewhere unseen by the viewer. And it was really clear by her expression that there was something or someone else on her mind. And I thought that was really clever because it made me start building my own story. And that's when my imagination really kicks in. And I love that. So the artist has just given just enough information, but then you get to fill in the blanks. So do you ever create a story in your own work, Tara, at all? Not usually, but I have drawn on my own experience in the past. But then I usually put like a fun twist 
on the back of it. Mm. So so it's not necessarily deep and meaningful, but I guess it does convey a story and usually it's a half truth. So it starts off with something true and then I put a little funny twist at the end. So um, if I give you a few examples, I, I once created a little cartoon about wanting a pet when I was about eight and this was true. I desperately wanted a pet. So, so I go to my mum and, and basically it's what the cartoon say. says, I asked for a horse and there's my mum. She's saying no. And this was very loose scribbly drawings. And then I go, so I asked for a dog. And my mum says no. So then I asked for a rabbit and she says yes. And then it's the picture of me with a little rabbit over my shoulder and, and a little love heart. And it says, I love that rabbit. And then there's a picture of me crying. It says a few days later he died. And then there's a picture, oh, and then there's a picture of a rabbit with a saddle on. And it says, turned out he couldn't support my weight. <laughs> and then it, it, at the bottom, it's P.S. I made that last bit up. <laughs> he lived to be six and a half. But I was going to say. Yeah, it's just, it's just the idea of twisting it. So, you know, I wanted a horse, so I tried to ride the rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I like to do. So um, I've also created little doodly cartoons. I created one during our, one of our challenges, actually, last year about a little creature called a habit. Uh, and I guess you could call that a story and a, a meaning behind it. Or the habit was split down the middle, this little habit creature. So you've got the good habit and the bad habit. And it was just all the, all the different sides to these good and bad habits. You know, so the good habit pretends to enjoy a salad lunch. <laughs> uh, and the bad habit drowns that yicky salad with mayonnaise. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. So, so that's you know, how mine goes. For going. a moment, I was thinking, what is a habit? I've never heard of one of those. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? I do, yeah, I do yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> when we're saying about this animal called a habit, I'm thinking, oh, I've not yeah. heard of a habit. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, for me as a painter, I always find that when I paint something that has a story behind it, it turns out better than the ones that don't. And, and I think that's probably because I've invested a little bit more of myself into that piece. Yeah. But, but not all of them have any particular meaning um for example I, I paint a lot of reflective things purely because I just love capturing the play of light so I once painted a raw egg and obviously that was simply because I fancied painting a raw egg but when I do paintings like that what I try and do is give them their own story in the title so with that one I called it your place or mine well um, some stories are only clear aren't they when you see the title and I know ooh. you absolutely love coming up with titles don't you so, so share some of the names you've come up with. And, and how do you get your names? Because they are always quite original. Um, well, some of my titles don't necessarily add a story, but they might inject a bit of humour. And you're right, I love titling paintings. It's, I almost enjoy that as much as I do painting itself. Um, for example, once I painted um, a close-up of an apple, and it, I just painted this apple because I loved capturing the texture and the colours of the skin, and it had little holes in it, um, and, you know, probably a worm in there or something, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it would have been so easy to have just called it Still Life with Apple, but there was no way I was going to do that, and I called it Not a Banana. Because in my mind, it was obvious what it is. So why would you say still life with an apple? <laughs> so that's why I called it not a banana. Um, there were also two paintings I did of some foil wrapped toffees. Um, and again, that was purely to catch the light reflecting from the foil. And I called one of those Denture Venture and the other one Toothache. Yeah, so, I like those. Yeah, so that's not really a story, but it kind of is. But very short yeah, story. <laughs> a very loose story, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did a painting once of a champagne flute with nothing in it other than a cherry, which I called virgin cocktail because there was no alcohol in it and nobody had taken the cherry. Oh. <laughs> oh, I still dear. got that on my website. If, you, if anyone wants to have a look, it's still on my website actually for sale. Um, but then there was a painting I did of a simple white cup and saucer and um it had a lipstick mark around the rim, and I called that one Evidence. I really like that one. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I could have sold that about 50 times. Everyone seemed to like that one. But just by giving it that title, it begins to suggest some kind of story behind it. Um, I mean, as creative as artists obviously are, I'm always so disappointed when I walk around a gallery and I find paintings that are titled things like Still Life with Apples or or three pairs in a row or, or things like that because they're so literal and I can't believe that they can't come up with something more creative than that because it's fun I mean I, I really do I, I love 
uh, titling with paintings just as much as I do, as I said, painting it. How do you come up with these titles? Sometimes they just come to me as I'm painting them. I honestly don't know how I come up with them. I really don't. I just, I suppose as I'm painting them, things just pop into my mind. Sometimes I know what I'm going to call a painting and I'll paint something around that title. Hmm. Well, so, so with evidence, wasn't that one that you yeah. painted from a word or something? Was the it, word it, evidence? It, it was, yeah. yeah. So so years ago, a long time ago, a friend and I, an artist friend of mine, had, uh, we created a blog. We closed it down about a year after we'd started it. Um, but we, we created this blog. She was going through a, um, a real uh, artist block. And actually, at the time, I was as well. So we decided that we would give each other words um, Five, we basically choose five words each um, a month and one of us had to pick a word from the list and in this case um, the word I picked was evidence so we both had to paint a painting around that word so that I came up with this this white teacup and saucer with the lipstick so it basically my painting came from the title yeah so whoever anyone gets artist thought it's a good way actually of um getting out of it giving yourself a title and just you know painting something from that yeah um but yeah the type of art you create Tara that's more geared towards amusing stories isn't it so I don't suppose you need to title yours do you not in general but I do I do occasionally I mean when I did a hundred day project a few years ago um I remember I did those post-it cartoons so just little sticky notes we're drawn they're very very whimsical um but I had some of those had a sort of overarching title for a set of them so um i had five or six cartoons and they were titled if life was like social media um so then there'd be part one part two so i guess that's a title so i'd have like part one would be a little cartoon of two post-its one of the post-it people was pressing a button on the other one's head so it'd be be, if life was like social media people would have an off button because, (laughs) because i think a lot of us would like that Tari, would you switch me I off? probably would. Quite often, yeah. <laughs> or would you turn? Would you turn me down? I don't say. Would you turn me on? <laughs> anyway, then well, that would that would be worrying. Yeah, it would be worrying. <laughs> then, then I had another one. It was like um, again, if life was like social media, and then it says meetings would be much shorter. And then she's saying to one of the guys, "Please make your point in 140 characters or less." So, <laughs> so I guess I do play play on that as well that's what you need to say to me <laughs> yeah, like, these would all be applicable to you i'm going to send them to you <laughs> um i've also had an idea to form a series of semi-abstract characters and these are the ones we were talking about before the show actually um you know the one i did with the head with rubbish in it oh yeah. yes yeah so it's this abstract head with a flip top and inside it is a newspaper and a phone and this is based on an idea from years ago when I was at college but I'm sort of reviving it and it was called filling your head with rubbish and it's based on the idea that we all consume or I think a lot of us consume too much news from the media and generally it's all bad news so I try and avoid it as much as possible because it just makes me feel really down yeah. You and me both. I, I'm not going to mention the B word, but I, I'm going to say the B word. Everyone's going to know what it, I mean. Um, and, and also the T word. I'm sure all of our American friends will know. But basically, everyone keeps saying to me, I am so bored of hearing about the B word and the T word. And I'm thinking, I'm not really, because I don't listen to it. I just no. don't even watch it. So it doesn't bore me at all. I mean, you can't avoid it, can you? But it is, it is that thing. You can't, but you can to a point. Yeah, and I, and I guess when I did that painting... Um, which was in acrylics, and I was saying before, I have, a, have trouble with, I don't like paint, I don't know if I said that on air or off air, but anyway, I have a, a bit of an issue with paint, I don't really like it much. Um, mm. But that one, I, I, I have trouble then repeating something, so I'll do, I'll draw something, and I have an idea for a series of characters that kind of go with this, a series of sort of themes, um, but I'll paint one, not quite knowing how it's going to turn out, and I made it quite grungy and grey, but then I can't seem to paint another one, which is really odd. I don't know if anybody else has this same problem. It's almost like once I've done one, I'll think, oh, I actually quite like that. And then I can't repeat it. I know what you're saying because actually Paul said to me yesterday when that um, painting of the cigar and the rum yeah. sold, yeah. he said, oh, you'll have to do another one. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I can't just, I can't just do that because 
I have. I don't know why. I have to feel like doing something, and now I've just done that. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I definitely want to revisit the cigar. Yeah. Because the texture, painting the textures of that cigar, I, I loved it, and that lovely um, shiny label. I really enjoyed it. But um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do. I've had people ask me this before. Can you do another one? And I could sell paintings like that a lot easier yeah. because somebody will ask me, oh, I want one like that. But as soon as I'm asked to do something that I've done before, straight away I almost think, no, I, I just, I can't. I, that's kind of got out of my system and I need to feel like doing it again yeah. before I do it. Yeah, I mean, this for me, I think, is the others wouldn't be, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about doing almost exactly the same thing again. Well, no, just based, say, say another cigar and rum painting. Oh, I see, yeah. Know. Well, I guess, that yeah, that's the same thing then. And it's but yeah, just a different setup. I'd never yeah. do the same setup. I'd never do. I'd never try and well, I wouldn't attempt to do two paintings the same. A for a start, it wouldn't be fair on the person who bought an original painting. But, but you could never ever get it exactly the same anyway. Yeah, and it would be. I'd find it boring to do that. So it'd have to be a different setup altogether. Yeah, but with the same things included in it, I suppose. I also think it's something to do with pressure. This is what my other half was saying to me last night because I said. He said, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Because you've done one, you like it. You now want to repeat that on another one. And whereas you didn't have any pressure on yourself for the first one, because it was like, I don't know what this is going to look like. It could look rubbish. You might like it. You might not. And I didn't even know the general... I knew I wanted this grey feel to it, but oh. I didn't know quite what it was going to look like, if that made sense. You know, because it's out of my head, it's not something I'm seeing and trying to put on paper. Um. So, yeah, the first one was like all new and then I just can't seem to repeat it but I've had that happen multiple times so I mean you were telling me to fight through it weren't you well yeah <laughs> but it's a bit like the sketchbook though isn't it almost if you get a brand new sketchbook and you create a sketch on the first page that you love yeah almost stops yeah, you going on because yeah. you think oh what if my next one isn't as good so there's a, a good answer to that is to just start somewhere in the middle and then just random pages rather than doing yeah you know. which I think is why I've switched up a bit and I'm doing the other mm. type of loose faces because mm. it would almost be a benefit wouldn't <clears> it <throat> to just do your first page and make it deliberately terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that you can then it can only get better yeah and I've been mean, my nine <laughs> even in the sketchbook I've deliberately done them out of a sketchbook mm. so but yeah, yeah it's just it's funny because the, the sketchbook I've been using to do as some of our videos yeah. It's kind of like a big pad that you just tear the pages out. It's a massive pad. Yeah. And it was only cheap and it's not a sketchbook. It's not something you keep. But it's interesting because a lot of the sketches I've done randomly on that that weren't for the videos have been, you know, probably my best ones. And it's when you look in my actual sketchbook, you know, I think it's because... It's freedom, I'm putting isn't pressure it? On, yeah. yeah. Because I'm thinking, oh, I don't care about this sketchbook anyway, this sketch pad anyway. Yeah. Um, so I just do it and I think, oh, I wish I'd done that in my sketchbook. Well, I'm like that with, um, we're going right off topic here. Never mind, we always do this. Um, but <laughs> I'm, we will get back to it. <laughs> when I'm doing, because um, the abstract faces I've been doing, the other ones are coloured ones, I've been doodling those in my sketchbook at night, but just with yeah. uh, a fine liner pen and some water or a fountain pen and some water applied to them. And I do stuff in there and I think, oh, I really like that. I like the kind of the effect. But then mm. I want to try and repeat that, but on a bigger piece of paper... And with some colour on it, and then it feels so much more stunted. Where I, yeah. I just, I just love this, you know, free flowing, not worrying about it thing in the sketchbook. It's quite annoying. <laughs> anyway, should we get back to what we we're talking about? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so all, all else I was going to say is, you know, like I said before, if I'm trying to create with a story, it will usually be a cartoon. Apart from that, that new stuff I was just saying about. Um, I've doodled, you mentioned this before, I doodled once a character on a psychiatrist's couch. So this is, they tend to be about me. And, and God, that sounds so egotistical, doesn't it? <laughs> all about me. Um, and she, me, 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 yeah, me, yeah. me. <laughs> and she's a character on a psychiatrist's couch and she's basically saying, yes, it's a disaster. And the psychiatrist saying, so you've run out of ideas? And then below that, there's a little line that says, this meant she had to take action on some of the ideas she'd already had. Because if you're anything like me and you're creative, you have these millions and millions of ideas and you get such a buzz out of the idea that you don't actually get round to actually do anything with a lot of them. 
So true. Yes, yeah. so true. And I also did a very bad cartoon of us. Do you remember? <laughs> oh, I loved it. Oh, it was terrible. I, do you know what? I thought, I said to Paul at the time, well, you know you've made it when someone makes you into a cartoon. <laughs> like, it was an absolute shocker of, oh, of a drawing. But it was basically, um, the, the, basically the, t- the title of it is What Do Strangers Become When They Get to Know Each Other? And then it goes and it shows a little thing where we we got to know each other through a podcast interview and then we sent some emails and then we did a little thing about does alcohol make you more creative? Uh, And then weird texts about assassin squirrels. That was you. (laughs) And then basically the tagline is then, so the start is what do strangers become when they get to know each other? And you expect the answer to be friends, don't you? Yeah. I think you do. But it's even stranger. Which is definitely true, yes. Yeah. So what paintings have you done? I've got a deeper meaning to them. Uh, Well, I think the most recent one I did with any deeper meaning behind it was a a hand lighting a match in the darkness. And I used Paul as my model for that photo. Um, His dad passed away last year and so did a very good friend of ours. Um, So the message behind that painting was that just because you can't see someone, it doesn't mean that they're not there. And that's demonstrated by the fact that only part of the hand can be seen the part that's catching the light, but the rest of the hand and the person remains in the darkness. So it's done on a much, it's done on a a big, it's not a big canvas really, but the hand in comparison to the rest of the canvas is fairly small, I suppose. So you you know that there's someone there. Yeah. But they're not, if you know what I mean. And I called that one light-fingered. I must say, I never imagined Paul would make such a great hand model. His hands (laughs) are huge. They're like a steak. With five bratwurst yeah, sausages attached. He's got huge hands, honestly. But anyway, his hands look... It's really weird because his hands, as soon as you look at this painting, well, you wouldn't know, but Paul's like, God, they're my dad's hands. Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah but, but they're not. Obviously, they are yeah. his hands. And um, I guess the most memorable painting I did, <clears throat> with a great story behind it, was a painting I did um, back in 2012. And it was of a hundred-year-old bear that had been left in the departure lounge at Bristol Airport. Um, so he was left at Bristol Airport with just one vital clue in a carrier bag. Was this a, a real was... story? Oh yeah, All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the basically the the carrier bag it was it was it was this teddy bear left in a carrier bag with a black and white photograph dated nineteen eighteen. And the photograph was of two children, and one of them was actually holding the bear that was in the bag. Um, and on the back of the photograph was written in sort of scrawled biro, with dearest love and kisses to our darling daddy from your loving little daughter and sonny, Dora and Glyn. So Jackie Mills at Bristol Airport, she'd been on a mission to find the owner. And the story had been published in the national newspapers, believe it or not. And um, anyway, I'd read about this bear um and completely fall in love with it and funny enough i had just finished my seventh painting in a series of um vintage style teddy paintings that i've been working on and i've been looking for my finale bear so it was almost like he was meant to be the one so um i emailed jackie um because it, it gave her name basically in the in the paper it said if, if anyone has any information please contact jackie mills so i emailed her and said look you know while while you're waiting to find who this bear belongs to, um, can I paint him, please? That's good. I fully, I fully expected her to say no. Yeah. You can't, you know, um, because obviously it's precious. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she obviously looked at my website at the time. My website was full of these bear paintings yeah. because that's what I've been doing. And um, she emailed me, and we emailed back and forth. And finally, you know, she obviously realised I checked out, and she said yes. So um, a few days later, this little bear arrived in the post <laughs> and, uh, and I painted him and I painted him sitting next to a really battered old suitcase um, with a black and white postcard and a few other things that helped tell his story. Um, and I mean, it's a really long story, so I'm trying to cut this as short as possible, but basically... <laughs> you don't do I short, took, do you? <laughs> I took the painting back to Bristol Airport to show Jackie um, at the same time as returning the bear. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that bear, I mean, I had, there was no agenda to what I'd done at all. There really wasn't. I just did, I just painted the bear because I wanted to paint the bear. But that bear painting ended up to be published um, 
alongside this bear's story in so many um, online newspapers around the world. I couldn't even believe it. Fantastic. It, it really was. Um, anyway, eventually the owner was found. So it was a really, really happy ending. So that was good. But yeah, I, I always say, you know, I have a light side and a dark side to my paintings. And I'm still trying to work out why that is. But I go through kind of periods of both. So sometimes, as you know, I'll do all my sort of bright marble paintings and glasses and, you know, really light, bright paintings. And sometimes I do these more darker ones, like the cigar and the rum I've just done and um, and the hand. It's, it's almost like I've got a masculine and a feminine side. I don't, I don't know. But I don't know whether that reflects my personality. I don't know. I mean, I'm a Gemini, but perhaps that could sound a bit pretentious. I don't know. Do you believe in that do, stuff? Well, I could... Um, I think there's a lot of pretentiousness about this kind of stuff, but I generally do feel that I have two. There are two sides to me. One of them wants to paint dark paintings and one wants to paint light. I don't, I don't know. And I do think it, it changes according to my frame of mind and my mood um, as to what I want to paint. Because it's interesting, isn't it? Last year wasn't a very great, it wasn't a, a good year. It was a darker year, um, it personally, as in losing people. And it seems that I went back to painting my darker paintings. That's not to say my darker paintings um, mean they're miserable at all, not not in the slightest, but I just find that kind of interesting. I don't know if there's any kind of subconscious behind it. But you're still on the dark ones now, aren't you? I am, but then now I'm at that point now where I'm thinking, oh, my paints are marbled. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't know. But does, does, does your work ever change according to your mood? Well, if I'm in a bad mood, my drawing just totally sucks. So... Um... <laughs> So I probably don't produce that much, really, if I am in a, a stroppy mood. Um, no. Sometimes if I start to sketch something, it can improve my mood, you know, if I'm just doodling in the sketchbook. But then it, it has that flip side, because then if I doodle something and it looks terrible, it makes my mood even worse. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I do think it can reflect your mood. But for me, it's not necessarily always that helpful. It can be. I say it can hmm. pull me out of it, but it, it can send me either way. It's like alcohol. <laughs> it's like wine can send me either way. So, yeah. I think a lot of people seem to stop creating when they feel low, you know. But I think that it can really help um, if you do more of it. I mean, there's nothing that takes your mind off the things going on around you, like the creative process, is there? Or better still, you can kind of use it as an outlet. And sometimes that's when you produce your best stuff. So if you think about, say, Adele... Um, and the album she wrote off the back of her breakup. I mean, she was literally splurging her pain out in words, wasn't she? And, and out of that came some of her best work. And in the same way, other art forms can help you to document your thoughts and feelings when you're going through a darker period in your life, I think. Well, I do remember once when art sort of did really help me, and that was um, when I was back at college and my boyfriend of two years dumped me. Oh, <laughs> You should have written a song. Yeah, except I can't. You would have been, you'd have been world famous. Oh, I'd have been a millionaire, wouldn't I? <laughs> except I can't sing and I can't write oh. music. Never mind. But apart from that, I'd have been a millionaire. Um, but when this boyfriend dumped me, I threw myself, because it's like that first love, you know, thing. Yeah, I threw yeah. myself into oh. my art project to make myself feel better. And I can actually remember now sitting on the floor in my mum and dad's, you know, lounge, with this massive piece of paper and we been told to introduce texture into our work I can remember the specific project which is really weird <laughs> and it's a funny one really because we I think we had to draw sweets and chocolates and stuff like that um and I had drawn a Milky Way you remember Milky Way chocolate bars yeah yeah and I was trying to make the inside of it, out of it out of a bit of coloured cotton wool <laughs> <laughs> just distinctly remember this but I remember the only way I could not feel down for a minute was to absorb myself into doing that work to just yeah. totally throw myself into it I mean art journaling as well is used by a lot of people as a form of therapy or you know self-help um if you've read Danny Gregory's books I know you're a big fan Sandra you'll know that he yeah. started drawing regularly to help himself through his grief when his wife died yeah yeah, he did. And and he's recently gone through another really difficult time in his life, hasn't he? Um, I think he, well, he learned he had cancer. Um, thankfully, he's come out of the other side with a clean bit of health and he's all fine and dandy now. But 
I mean, it was obviously really scary for him. And I was looking at his blog and he'd been sketching through it all. And um, somehow he managed to inject some, some real humour into these really personal drawings, which says a lot about him and his personality, really, I suppose, doesn't it? But um, I think I mentioned in a previous episode, didn't I? But there was one sketch he did when uh, he was attached to a catheter. And I mean, he he drew his fruit and vegetables in such hilarious detail. <laughs> it was so funny. And I just thought, you know, that's the kind of poster that you need on a doctor's wall. It it made something really scary just seem so much easier to take in and to deal with. And, you know, we know there are quite a few members of our group um, that have had... Um, well, use journaling and sketching in the same way. And it can be kind of like a mental release if you let it. Yeah, I mean, that's almost like um, sort of dark humour, isn't it? You know, you get these Mm. these sort of dark comic things where someone can really, really twist something really quite depressing and make it funny. Yeah. Um, You can also use art journaling for the more usual things in your life. For example, if you've just had a crappy day, instead of letting yourself sink into a foul mood, you could create a little page about it and put an amusing spin on it and eventually you might be able to look back at it and actually laugh like for example you could create a sarcastic cartoon or poem about your boss I think that'd be a great one to do um they might have catchphrases that you could use or you could twist the situation that happens so it has a funny ending I always like to keep things really straight so okay this is the real story this is a real story at the end, you twist it to what someone doesn't expect. But you can use that as real inspiration for things. I, I remember when I was at college, and I don't know if I've told this story before or not. Have I told you this one about the poem? A long time ago. Yeah. Well, we had this one lecturer that I really did not like. Um, and he used to, I can't remember what day we had, but we had a certain day we had him. And he would give us really weird, almost performance art type of projects to do for example one of the projects was to sit with a friend one of you had to meow like a cat one of you had to bark like a dog that's not the story i was expecting well we did what we when we dressed up as well yeah, yeah. that's the one i but remember this was, another, me about. this was another one that he made us do so there you are sitting meowing and barking at each other having a conversation in meow and bark i have no idea what what, <laughs> the, what the point of this thing was but he also made us dress up totally in a different way to we normally would uh that was the one I told you before wasn't it yes so I was wearing yellow stilettos and um fishnet stockings I I just used to hate because I I used to think it was so pointless and I'd much rather just be drawing or you know do you think it was actually part of the curriculum or do you think he was just weird no I I, I don't (laughs) do you think he was secretly videoing all these um teenage girls in there (laughs) maybe dressed up in stilettos meowing like cats maybe but it was just it was just odd you know and I don't know whether it was supposed to break down your inhibitions or what I'm sure that's I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah. That's exactly but anyway, what it is. Anyway, it used to drive me nuts. I hated it. And, and he probably did what he wanted to me because he got me angry, basically. So yeah. um, he made us once do a performance. He said, what I want you to do is says, you need to prepare a piece and, you know, like five minutes or a few minutes and you've got to stand up here and deliver it. So it could be anything you wanted. You know, you could do a little talk, you could dance, you could sing. So I wrote a poem about his lessons. And I think that's the way you twist it as well, because you take something that's really paying you off. So I just wrote a really sarcastic thing about, you know, some days we have to talk like cat and dog. And it was all rhyming, but all the ridiculous things he made us do. But he actually... Did you read it to him? Yeah, I read it out to the class. What did he say? What was his reaction? He just laughed. He didn't care. (laughs) I think he liked the fact that I was like... Did he... Can I just ask, did he actually demonstrate um, barking and crawling around like a cat? Or did he just literally make you No, he just made us sit in pairs and bark and meow at each other. (laughs) You'd have hated that, wouldn't you? I'd have been texting. I'd have been texting someone saying, look at what I've got all these these dumb kids doing. There's no phones at the time. Oh, no. No, No, there wasn't there. (laughs) We were were still on the phones where you had to kind of... Yeah, sit in the hallway. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, shame. But, yeah... It's funny, it's so true, though, to, to kind of turn something around and make... If you're having a bad day, so say, for example, you, you tidy the house. And this is a scenario that happens to me quite often. So I've tidied the house, and then I go out for a little bit. And then when I come back, I find a mountain of washing that's just been dumped <laughs> outside of Charlie's room. Yeah. Because he can't quite manage 
to get it 10 metres away to the washing basket. And, and you watch him step over it a million times during the day, like it's completely invisible. But, you know, you could just get really annoyed with the kids for doing things like that, or you could use it as art inspiration um, and send them an illustrated message. <laughs> Is that what you do? So, so well, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking as I'm saying, but you could you could draw, say, a picture of the like the child or the teenager rock climbing up a mountain of washing, and then abseiling down the other side just to get to the bedroom floor, and then you could pin that drawing to his door with a little note at the bottom saying something humorous, but ultimately asking him to take the washing downstairs and putting it in the washing basket. Yeah. So if, if you imagine that scenario, which is going to be the two of you probably chuckling um, against the one where you just get annoyed, um, then I think it's a more effective way and more a fun way yeah, to try like and get that. through to someone yeah, without creating any tension. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's the only way you can um, ever um, communicate with teenagers, <laughs> quite frankly, is with humour. But... You know, it doesn't even have to be drawing. It could be even creative filmmaking. Did I ever tell you about the guy who made um, the teenage instructional video on how to change a toilet no. roll? Oh, uh, you know, you should look it up. His name was Will Reed, which is spelled R-I-E-D. If you go on YouTube. Um, but basically, obviously, he was having issues with getting through to his own teenagers who never changed toilet roll when it rang out. So... Um, instead of allowing himself to get annoyed about it, he channeled that frustration into making a really funny YouTube video. So on the YouTube video, what he does is he gives step-by-step instructions directed directly at his kids of how to remove the old toilet tube from the toilet roll holder and then how to put a new one on. <laughs> and, and, and he goes on to say, now, the advanced level would be to actually put the old tube in the bin. But let's stick with the beginner's level for now. (laughs) Because I don't think you're quite ready for that yet. And anyway, this this video went viral. And I I think people were saying, you know, we want some more. I think he did about three or four more after that. But what a great way to get through to your kids by going viral on YouTube. (laughs) That that reminds me of my brother, right? I went round my mum. Their mum and dad had been on holiday. So I went round their house um, the other day. They they were still out. But I was picking something up they said I could go get. And... um, and my brother still lives with my mum and dad. So I went around there. He's out. And I thought, oh, I'm busting for a wee. I'll go for a wee while I'm here. So I'm going, I don't really need to tell this. He's surplus to the story. <laughs> but anyway, I came back downstairs. And at the bottom of the stairs, there's three toilet rolls. Lot of, you know, the tubes. Yeah. And my brother, for some reason, has obviously took them downstairs from the loo, but can't quite make it to put them in the recycling bin. So it's exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, and, and as you walk into our front door, yeah. on the right-hand side, there is a shoe cupboard. Yeah. Literally, as you step in, and every single day when I come in the door, Charlie's shoes are sitting next to the shoe cupboard. <laughs> it drives, drives me insane. I think, why? It's just literally open the door, you know. So, But but you can you can get yourself in such a yeah. But if you can kind of find a way of making it inspire you to do something creative, then at least it's doing you a favour. Yeah. And you're putting you a know. bit of meaning into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, art of any kind can be used in the same way, whether it's a funny poem, a short story, you can use it to lighten up something that might otherwise have you tearing your hair out, like you were just saying. If you're having a good time, you can also use art journaling that way too. Imagine how you felt on a holiday or on a great day out. Unlike a photo, with sketches, it really captures that personal point of view. I was looking back um, at a sketch pad I did when I was on holiday last year. And there was a few pages, I think you remember, where I'd done loads of little watercolours on the same page. Yeah. And looking at that, I actually could see in my head myself sitting back there in that garden. Whereas if I'd looked at a photo, I just wouldn't have felt like I was there the same it's much more vivid um makes you relive that whole thing of when you were there i think it's because when you are sketching you're really taking something in whereas if you're just taking photos you're just doing that yeah you notice things don't you that you wouldn't otherwise yeah Yeah. and equally you can put a deeper meaning into a piece of art and nobody even has to know Um, nobody has to know it's not purely fictional and that's the beauty of art you know only the artist has to know the whole story and they can choose to hold some of the story back if they choose. And that's true in the ones that 
you know, leave the viewer asking questions. For example, you know, who is that person waiting for in the cafe or who did leave the lipstick on the cup? That kind of thing. Yeah, and I think even though your art may not necessarily have this great big meaning to it, sometimes you, the way you make your marks can say something about how you were feeling at the time. You know, was it really engrossed in the detail or was it delicate or whimsical? Or are your marks really loose and energetic? It can take you back how you felt at the time you made it. I, I know with me, I can see sometimes how I was feeling when I made something, just depending how loose and scribbly something is. Mm-hmm. Like you say, your art doesn't have to have any meaning at all. If you want to paint something purely because you like the look of it and it matches your interior, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. But sometimes it can be more fun to create something that has some relevance or meaning to you, even if the viewer doesn't know about it. Um, so maybe you might paint a rose because you enjoy painting flowers, but maybe the petals have started to fall and that could mean something very deep and relevant you know relevant to you but the viewer has got no idea what that relevance is and I've painted things before that have a hidden meaning that no one will ever know apart from me unless I choose to share it come on I want to know some of them now well no <laughs> because that defeats the object <laughs> are they rude no <laughs> Let's not go down that road. I reckon they are now. Um, So while I think that some art is made to convey a message, I think sometimes think that artists feel they need to come up with a message for their art in order for it to be more saleable. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes that's kind of expected if you're selling work. I think art can be a little bit pretentious like that. Mm, I've never been one to go down that rabbit hole, to be honest. I'll paint what I want to paint, and if someone loves it, that's great yeah but I think some people feel they have to or you see some things online and maybe people really do mean it but you know when you get say this black square (laughs) in the middle of a page yeah and and that's supposed to have some big deep meaning yeah yeah I know what you mean it's a blurry gray area isn't it and I think sometimes it does actually make it sell more that's wrong to say but there you go And I think the way also you put together your composition, the lighting and the colour can also really change the mood or the feeling that you get, you know, you give to the viewer. You can make someone feel really uneasy or uncomfortable or even by changing your viewpoint, you can change the story that you're telling. And I know I'm not really a big fan of superhero sort of TV series, but I loved the series Daredevil. Did you watch that? No, No, never. Not only because he is the worst superhero ever. He always gets beaten up. But the amazing lighting, they just, in some of these things, they use the most amazing lighting and colour and compositions. And, you know, it's almost like eye candy to look at, but it completely changes how you feel. And it puts across this mood, obviously, that the director wants to convey without actually doing anything else. You know something's about to happen, you know it's tense or, you know, it's calm or, or, you know, it gets that mood across. Yeah, it's surprising, isn't it, how the exact same subject can convey a completely different feel just by changing the lighting. It doesn't really need to be obvious at all, just something as simple as that. There are some cartoonists that share how they feel in really interesting ways, such as Maureen Marzi Wilson. I don't know if anybody, if you've seen her introvert doodles, have you seen them? No, no, I've not heard of her actually. Oh, she does these really simple, so they're quite doodly cartoons, but any introvert can relate to them. And she makes them really humorous, but they're so, you know, so, so spot on. And there's also Gemma Coral. Have you seen her work? No. She's really, really funny, but she completely puts her own spin on everyday things. Like, for example, she has a cartoon about being beach body ready. And one of her suggestions is to stretch your belly button until it's large enough to hold a beer can. No, I just just love that. She's just so, so funny. And it's almost like anti, anti beauty, you know, that, that sort of thing. You know, and of course, the story can be completely fictional. It doesn't necessarily need to be directly related to the artist or anyone. Um, If you think about the political cartoons you see, the story isn't related to the artist at all, but it still might convey their own point of view on a political topic, for example. I've also heard about some artists talk about that their art doesn't intentionally have a story, but when they finish, they realise there are elements of it that kind of relate to things that are going on in their life. So subconsciously, Mm. maybe it was a message within the work, even though they didn't really realise it at the time. Yeah, I, I think that's actually happened to me before. Definitely. I remember painting um, a 
don't know which bear it well I do know which bear it was it was I had a series of eight bears as I said which is going back a long time now but my dog <clears throat> had um died and uh I was absolutely devastated and I start I was painting this bear at the time and she was a Hungarian Vizsla so she's sort of bright red and um for some reason, I did, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but when I finished painting, I thought, oh, gosh, there was an overwhelming, um, t- you know, this burnt sienna. It's just everywhere. And I just thought I just really need to not, you know, for some reason, it's taken me a few weeks to paint yeah. this thing, and, and I just totally overused the burnt sienna. In the end, I had to change it. I had to glaze over it to sort of tone it right down. But when I thought about it, I thought, you know, maybe subconsciously it was that, red color I well, don't it could know have been, couldn't it? It, it, it could have been because it was unusual for me to do that yeah um and it just kind of happened but I absorbed myself into the painting to try and not not think think yeah and maybe it was coming out in another yeah. way but um yeah but I think it's important not to force it but try and just be open-minded allow a painting or a drawing to take you where it wants to go and just see what happens because forcing it I think will only lead to something that it looks kind of over contrived and, and you really don't want that and some artists also leave secret messages when there are have you ever done this oh I don't know <laughs> I can't not offhand no I think. I, for example Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa is supposed to have a series of hidden letters and numbers within it and no one else knows what they mean apart from him so are they under in the underpainting or something? I don't know. Obvious, I honestly don't know where they are. I was just reading about it, and they said all all these symbols and stuff, and nobody quite knows what they mean. Yeah, it's interesting because I've heard that Mona, the Mona Lisa was actually a man as well. Yeah, I think, I think I've heard that. Maybe maybe you told me, but they didn't. They reckon mm-hmm. that a lot of artists back then did used to use men as models rather than women. So I thought Michelangelo well, we- did that, didn't he, as well for some of his statues. Well, we were talking about that, weren't we, in the V&A Museum? Because I kept saying, God, some of these these women look really Blokey, kind of masculine. Yeah. And that's when you were saying about yeah. that, yeah. Did you ever see the film The Da Vinci Code? No, I started watching it and no, gave up. Oh, do you know what? I thought it was really, really good. It was such a good film. And I don't know how much of what he said about that painting is true, you know, The Last Supper. Um, but if it is, then, you know, wow, that, that really is getting the viewer to read between the lines. I thought it was a great film. I don't know. What is the total story? What is it in in 100 oh, boy God, characters can... or less? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't possibly. You couldn't, I, you'd have oh, to watch okay. it. But, yeah, but there's certain things in the painting, like, for instance, the... Um, the space between, you know, uh, Jesus and Mary or whoever, yeah. you know, is, is like supposedly um, in the shape of a vessel, oh, right. which which is supposed to um, be like a womb and, and things like this. But there's so much in that painting that they look at. And, and I don't see, I don't say it could be completely made up. I don't yeah. know because I've never really looked into it. But the film itself was very clever. Oh, right. Really, really. Was it, was it damn Brown. Uh, yeah, wasn't um, who was was who was the lead in it? Yeah, Tom Hanks. I was thinking I was thinking no, because Tom Hanks is usually really light no, stuff, I'm isn't he? It. I'm no, no, about but who, t- who for Tom Hanks is usually oh, really light yeah. stuff, you know. Uh, I I loved him in Big years ago. <laughs> that film Big was one of my favourite films when I was a kid. I loved it. <laughs> So now we're going to go on to our previous question that we asked in our last podcast, which is, what do you do to stay creatively motivated? And we had loads of answers, so thank you for those. The first one I've got is John Monroe, and he says, the following helps. Number one, getting old and dreading not doing something I love. Number two, running a writing group. Number three, challenging myself mentally, because physically I am no longer the Olympian I always imagined I was. I was going to say athlete, but if breakdancing is being considered an Olympic sport, then I am an Olympian. I think that might be a <laughs> joke, but I don't know. <laughs> Angela Murphy, she said, pink gin does the trick for me. Only kidding. Well, not really kidding. Things pop into my head at all stupid times of the day. And if I don't sketch something from the nonsense my brain generates, I become a nightmare to live with. So I suppose keeping my sanity keeps me creative. Then I've got Christy C. Neff and she says, follow my quest for peace, running from stress, hiding in my blue room. My creativity comes from within and is essential for keeping my sanity. Vodka occasionally only because I haven't tried pink gin yet. (laughs) And I've got um, 
Otilia Hemat. Sorry if I haven't pronounced that right. Um, but she says sometimes, or he says, I'm not sure, sometimes I will draw without thinking. Other times I read an article or a book about art. Mostly I go to an exhibition slash gallery and that's enough to trigger ideas. I've got Teresa Joliffe Cameron. She says, I start a new job tomorrow after a year off. So I know that I need to purposefully schedule time for me. So it's all about scheduling and planning for her. I'd like a year off. That'd be amazing. <laughs> just, just a draw. Um, I've got Gabriella Pop. This challenge, oh, rather, the challenges push me to draw every day. And that is my start of the day. Regularly, I take part in portrait drawing group without the teacher, only to spend relaxing time together and share the costs for the model. An upcoming exhibition makes me busy too. In May, there are three. I'd like that. It'd be good, wouldn't it, to have a little portrait drawing group near you? Yeah. See, if you move next door. If you move next door to me. I need you. I need a live model. (laughs) Can you come over? Get us on. (laughs) Um, I've got Mary Flynn. She says, nature always inspires me. The group inspires me. Having to wake up at 4.30 every morning to go to work is inspiring me to work harder so I can become a full-time artist. And Sellers, our family plays role-playing games once a week, which gives more art needs than I can keep up with. We play Dungeons and Dragons. Because I post some of my images for our game, I have had requests for commissions. And I've got Rusilla Moodley. She says, have been creatively motivated for as long as I can remember. It has expressed itself in poetry, photography, painting and writing a book. The problem is always finding time to unleash my passion in these creative ventures. And I've got little Finnish artists surround myself with art every day. For example, watching YouTube videos and keeping a sketchbook. If I'm somehow blocked, I think what I most love about art and draw something that is connected with that. And I've got Tony Lee and he says, I don't hesitate. Whether it's a small action like jotting idea down in my phone's memo or scribbling on a piece of paper or just going for a walk or talking an idea out loud or using my phone to record an idea out. I take any kind of action in the moment, then immediately act on the idea when you get in a moment. It might not work or it might not be something you wanted and maybe you'll come back to it later, but do something. It will always be better than doing nothing. Such, such good advice, isn't it? And I've got Bless Inks. I have a sketchbook for every idea, but sometimes I challenge myself to visually relate two random words and get my brain going. I suppose that's a bit like mind mapping, isn't it? I like to letter and follow these lovely German calligraphers. I decided to do their lettering challenge in March with a twist. I put everything into Google Translate and lettered the literal translation. That's been a challenge. Wow, that does sound like a challenge. Mm. I've got inklets and she says stay focused on projects already in the works and make sure to take two days a week now for drawing otherwise I get overwhelmed and frustrated and we've got a brand new question this week which is in what season do you feel the most creative and why so in what season do you feel the most creative and why as always you can tweet us your answers at kick creatives or let us know in the facebook group which if you haven't already joined i highly recommend you do we'll put the question up there as well and also on the facebook page and of course our instagram page it will always be up there which is kick in the creatives don't forget we're tagging Youngman brown from your creative push and the illustration podcast three point perspective with jake parker will terry and lee white for them to share their views on a topic of we've just covered so keep an ear out for their episodes too Links to their podcast will be in our show notes. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd be so grateful if you would leave us a little review on iTunes or even just a star rating. It really does help. And also, you can now subscribe to our weekly YouTube video if you want to learn something creative every Sunday and see Tara and I making complete idiots of ourselves at the same time. But that's it for this week. Yep, that's it. So we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. Welcome to today's episode. What were you going to say, something? Oh, then? sorry. I know I didn't know you were starting. <laughs> I'm just moving the windows out of the way on the screen. Sorry. <laughs>
Go that on, sounded really up. boring anyway. I really want to find a, a new way of going into the episode. Other beatbox. Than, huh? Beatbox. beatbox. <laughs> I can't do beatbox. I can't it either. Boots and cats and boots and cats. That's what Charlie Is does. it? But you have to whisper it. Does he sound good? Boots and cats. Yeah, oh, that sounds all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, go on then. So, so I'll do that, and you wrap over the top. Okay. Welcome to today's episode where Tara and I will be talking about ways of using art to convey a message or a story. No. <laughs> I don't think we're going to make no, any money out of that. that. No. I think we should. I think we'll we should just try quit. one more time. I think Come we should quit our rap career. So you, you need to do it in a bit of a rhyme. Uh, uh, how's it going to rhyme? I don't know. You need to rhyme that first bit. Okay. Welcome to today's episode where Tara and I will be talking a load of old... What rhymes with that? didn't rhyme, did it? <laughs> I'm no good at this. No, I'll do just... it. Let me do the boots and cats and no, you do oh. it. Okay, right? Ready? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think I was watching yours. <laughs> Clear evidence that neither one of us is no. going to make a rapper. <laughs> no, no, no musical talent or, whatsoever. Or a beatbox. And no. I'm pretty sure my son would be totally ashamed. <laughs> Mind you, do you know he's been watching, he, he was looking at our vid- videos and he was going, no, he just came in the other day and he said, Mum, I'm concerned. He said, your, your videos are getting more and more out there. <laughs> oh, like, really? I was like, oh, Charlie. You have not seen anything yet. Oh, wait till he sees the imitation one. I know. I know. Oh, God, no. <laughs> You're Poor sticking boy. sanitary towels down. Poor boy. Poor boy. Oh. Was he seriously worried or did he think it was no, funny? I think, he, I think he's pretending to be worried. Yeah. But I think really he thinks. I don't know what he thinks. I think no. he's not surprised about anything I do anymore. No, 